and I'll, I'll show you after we're done because we only got a little bit of time. Okay. Oh. Yeah, because you know what it is too. I, I got to go by my mom's house. She has company over there, oh, people okay. I haven't seen. I told you, you know what I mean? So it's like everything is like. No, I, I, mean? I, I appreciate it's you. It's one of those days. I'm sorry. Bro. No, no. I, and you know what? I appreciate you doing that for me. Yofi, Yofi, Yonkers Film Festival. Oh, shit. That's where, what's his name? That's where uh, C Film Fest. That's where uh, Sleepy had premiered. All right, we got Lilo Brancato back in. Look at this guy. Look at this. Look, damn. You are one ripped motherfucker. What, are you running a lot? You run like hell. Every day. Okay. I haven't touched weights. I haven't I haven't touched weights. Uh I would probably say I did one workout, like a like a, a superset of like my whole body, like a you know, like a circuit train type thing, maybe like a month ago. But prior to that, I haven't touched weights since I would probably say April or May. I had a little injury in here. So I figured, let me stop working out for a little bit because that's really the only way you're gonna get better. You gotta rest it. So that's what I did. And at the same time, I continued to eat the same amount of protein that I eat every day. Yeah, and Lilo, Lilo, Lilo. And people don't understand how much you eat. You know, we're like, we're very close and you eat like I've never seen. I mean, you can eat, man. Yeah, but it's it's not even so much about the amount that we eat. It's more about the frequency, the meal frequency. It's about that, you know, it's about stimulating your metabolism, which is defined as the rate at which your body converts food into energy. So the more you're eating, the faster your body is converting that food into energy. And that's basically what they mean when they say you're speeding up your metabolism. But that's what you have to do. You have to eat frequently, but not to the point where you're like, like you just say, no, that's not the way. You know what I mean? Maybe like a, a can of tuna, you know, drain out all the water, wash all that out, all that sodium. Maybe if you want to put in a little vinegar, maybe, and maybe some oil. Some hey, oil hey, people don't know how good vinegar stuff. is for you. People don't know how good vinegar is. Yeah. That's some shit. I didn't know either until a couple years ago. Vinegar is like unbelievable. They say white vinegar helps. Yeah, white vinegar. Fat. Yeah. Now speaking yeah, of which, you have like, I, I I've no I, I know you're short on time, but I, I know you've been watching uh, Tulsa King. What is he eating? What yeah. he what is he seventy one? How the fuck is he? So, I mean, no, I think God, he's even more than yeah. that. But real quick, back to the apple cider vinegar. Yeah, sure, like, sure, sure. That stuff, that stuff, you can basically like literally clean jewelry with it. It's good for acid reflux. You can put it in a salad. It has multi, multi purposes. If they stopped making all vinegars and said we could only make one, produce one from now on, I would say let's go with the apple cider vinegar. So get, just because so give me vinegar. five of the best things you could use apple cider vinegar for. I didn't know that. You can use it to flavor food. You can use it to clean around the house. You can use it to clean jewelry. Jewelry. It's great. Wow. It's great for apple cider vinegar. It's great for cuts. It's like it's got so many things you can do with apple cider vinegar. You put apple cider Me, vinegar on a cut? Wow, that's fucking crazy. I guess the, the acidity, it burns out whatever, and Man. it'll heal it faster. Damn. You know what I mean? But uh, just And, and, and it's that. natural, and you don't have to go to a fucking doctor and get pillowed up on whatever the, you know, you cut no, yourself. That's, that's just, the yeah. beauty of it. Yeah, that's great. That's the beauty and of I'm, it. And I'm glad you uh, brought us back to that because, you know, I'm so against Big Pharma as you are, and I'm glad that you brought us back to that because we were about to go into Stallone, 
So that was great that you brought that back because, you know, that's natural and, and it's a way to heal things where you don't get caught up in the big pharma thing and everything else, you know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, now, as far as Tulsa King, you know, I got to say, I really like it. It's not it's not really what I expected, but the way it's the way it's building up now, the way the writing has been. It's setting itself up with something that's going to be really cool, I think. You know what I mean? I think Stallone, is. Tr I think he's awesome in that role. He's he's very believable. Yeah. Even though he's such an icon and he's such like a, a, a you know, like he's he's a living legend. He's Sylvester Stallone. You know what I mean? He's Rocky. He's Rambo. Even having those films behind him and they're so iconic. And it's like with certain actors that would have something like that, it's so hard to see them as something else. But to be honest with you, I believe Sylvester Stallone as Man Freddy. Me as too. Quite the general. Me too. I believe him in that. <laughs> Me character. too. He, Me too. Yeah, he's really believable. I like the whole thing with his past, with his daughter. He comes across really good, man. He comes across. It's really fresh. It's a really different take on playing someone, you know, in, like an organized crime. You know what I mean? I really like it. It's new. It's original. I love where it's set in Tulsa like that. Um, the writers, you know, uh, I think it's really, I really like it. I got to say. Now, being you know, that you're on The, the Sopranos. is Dom Lombardozzi. You know, Dominic Lombardozzi. Yeah, 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 Dominic, yeah. He's 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 Chicky. He plays Chicky. Yeah, you're right. The, his main rival, the, the boss's son. Yeah. He was in Bronx Tale, that kid. Fuck. That kid was in Bronx Tale. Man, he looks You good. know who he was? He was, he was Nicky's hero. He was what? the kid who sold the guns to us. Remember, Sonny smacked him. Yeah, wow. The same. He doesn't guy. even fucking look the he's same. He's doing really well, and I have to say, in that role, he's really good. He's like, killing it. A, it's a good, like, it's a nice. It's really good. Set itself up the writing. It set the the premise up for something really cool. Now the face off between him and Chicky, and everyone's really good in their roles. And it's not typical. It's really not typical. I love how they incorporated the marijuana dispensary. That was part of the story with the oxygen balloons. It's just all something. It's it's all original stuff. It's a very original premise. Maybe not an original genre. This you know organized crime type stuff has been done, but it's definitely a whole new take on it. And I definitely, I highly recommend it. And I love Stallone. I even mentioned his name. I want to cry because my father, you know, old, my father, rest in peace. Yeah, he was Sicilian, and you know, he came came to this country. You know, like. Barely spoke the language, but he loved so Mr. Stallone. <laughs> I so bet I he did. <laughs> Yo, he loved Stallone. So, like, when I watch Rockies and stuff like that, I think of my father all the uh... time. And literally, this is, if I needed to cry, if I needed to cry for a film, because it almost does it every time I watch a Stallone movie, I picture myself on a cold winter day in the living room with my dad. I know that he would protect me from anything. And we'd watch these Stallone movies and how we loved them so much. And to this day, when I watch these movies, that's all I think about. And it's so hard not to start feeling my eyes getting watery and stuff like that. You know, because this Stallone represents like my childhood. I love the guy, man. Me, me too. You Remember, I, I grew up in this, Philadelphia. So, you know, when Stallone yeah, was, so you know, you, like Rocky you was fucking everything. I mean, I, I mean, what well, do you think the first thing I watched yeah. when I was old enough to be allowed to watch it? I was there with my dad watching Rocky over and fucking over and over, and then arguments about which one was better. And I mean, you know, all of it. It seems like, like the, the, all of the East Coast kids. By, 
The last you two kind of sucked. Last two kind of. You want to go buy? A... Say again. The last two Rockies were kind of weak. The first three were killer. The first one, the you know, but you know what I got? I, the ones that I didn't think like they were still always entertaining. You know what, Lilo, Lilo, Lilo? Let me take that back because the first one was so fucking good. Then you compare everything to that one. So all five are good. I mean, the fifth one's better than. 99% of other movies out there, but compared to the first one. So I'm, you know, when you come out with a movie like Rocky or The Bronx Tale, how do you compare it to The Bronx Tale and Rocky? I mean, that's just insane. And that's what I was talking about with The Tulsa King. You know, you played on The Sopranos. So how do you compare the way The Sopranos is set up to Tulsa King? <gasps> Sunday night, every Sunday night, Paramount broke fucking every record in the planet. You know, they came on the map. Nobody heard of Paramount until this. So being that you yeah, well, you were on well, Sopranos, like well, you ta ta take us all through like just one 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 episode of Tulsa King, because I'm sure it's similar to uh, Sopranos. It's like 36 minutes long. They cut it up. Do you do all 11 at once? So if you do a tw if I like the season finale was the other week, I think it was number 11 or 12. Do they do all 12 in say a month and then that's it, or do they all do all 12 in a week or or how does that first season work? What do you mean, the episode? Yeah. No, an episode. If you're doing, if you're doing an hour, you know, like because these are hour long shows. Even though this, you know, like they would fit it in the, you know, the format with commercials and stuff will be an hour block. These shows usually take like about anywhere from four to six to seven working days to fit. You know what I mean? To be able to shoot. But then you have what's, you know, that then you have post-production. You got to go into editing and all that. So my experience when I worked on The Sopranos, I also did a show called Falcone. It was a CBS series. It was loosely based on the Donnie Brasco uh, concept. The whole thing with the, oh, you know, shit. one of the crew members was a fed with Jason Gedrick. What was that called again? Falcone. I didn't see that. I want people to see that. Uh, it was what? called Falcone. Falcone. Yeah, it came out in 2000, but what happened was the the, the Columbine shooting, because that oh, happened, fuck. CBS, we had a delay. We had to delay the show because they, they didn't want to put a violent show on the air. So after we delayed it for a certain amount of time, then they decided they wanted to release it as like a miniseries over like seven nights. It's hard to follow something over seven nights. Yeah. So we didn't get the ratings. They gave it another shot to go in the summer. But, you know, the slot time was at 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. Who the fuck no is going to really watch that? TV. Yeah, that's a tough. But, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't it wasn't The Sopranos, but we have Bobby Moresco. He, he was one of the writers. He wrote the movie Crash. That was yeah. an Academy Award. That was an film. Academy Award. You know the film that was just out right now with Frank Grillo, Lamborghini? No, I no. There's a film, you know, Frank Grillo. Yeah, I know that. Engine, yeah. You know, like he's, he's, he, he just did a film. He played the Bruccio, I think in Beruccio, Bruccio Lamborghini. He played the Italian guy in the movie. So, on, so on the episodes, so they, they only do like one a week. So, so like Stallone goes in on a Monday, everybody's there, they shoot everything Monday, he goes home, and then what? No, because then he's got to go into the next episode. Once the next episode comes, it wouldn't be the same director. Oh. Because the director who was there on the set that actually directed the episode, he goes in the editing room now. He goes and finishes, you know, because he now he shot it. Now he's got to edit it. And he's got, you know what I mean? 
So now you would get, they'd have like maybe four or five directors per each show. And then they would use them, you know, they'd use them, it would go like that. The next guy, the next, you know what I mean? They're probably already have set what episodes they're going to direct. So like, like so like the first five up. episodes, do they do the first, like are, if the first five episodes are already written, do, do they do all that at one shot in one day or one week, all five are done? And then no, they chop episodes? it up? Yeah. No, there's no way that they, there's wow. no, they can't even finish one episode in five days. Oh, I, yeah, I have no idea how it works. That's why I was curious. Like, yeah, do no, they write takes, a, you know, wow. if you want, if you want quality and you want good stuff, you got to take your time. See, that's the thing. A lot of times these like independent films, they have great ideas. You know what I mean, Tommy? The concepts are great. They have on paper, everything looks great. You know what I mean? But then what happens is when you have a limited budget and things start going wrong, maybe weather and stuff that you can't control. Now you're going to run out of money. So a lot of the stuff that you wanted in the film, that's going to really eat the little, you know, capture some of the nuances and the stuff that really give the film depth. Now, because you ran out of money, you have to sacrifice those scenes. Yeah. So your film, even though in here, you had an idea to make something great, it'll never be that because you ran out of money. So now you're showing somebody, you know, maybe three quarters of your vision. You're not showing them your full vision because you didn't have the money to do that. But when you're working on these big movies and these big shows, you know, they can show their vision because they have the money. You know what I mean? If they if they need to go up, you know, I mean, you're talking about millions and millions and millions. Look at these films now. Look at look at Maverick. That movie made over a billion dollars. The Joker made over a billion dollars. Do you realize how much more like the money in these films? Like it's incredible. It's unbelievable. You know. And speaking of did films, you, you have Maverick? a film coming out with uh, Mickey Rourke. How did that come well, about? Not coming out, but we're gonna shoot it. You're gonna shoot it. Well, eventually it's well, gonna come out. Yeah, yeah. Tell me all about it, man. Well, I'm so happy you. for you. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you, brother. I, I love Mickey Rourke. He's one of my favorite. He is. I love him in The Wrestler. He, he the can wrestler. switch personalities really quick, man. He can just change from one person to the next in a second. Like, he could play a lot of different roles. Yeah, Mickey Rourke, like, he can go from a wrestler to a cop to a cowboy. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shave your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code MSCSMedia for 20% off and free shipping. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a monster of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. No more messing around in drawers, this color one, that color one, all with one guard. Plus it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower and avoid all that hair in the sink. The Pro Kit doesn't end there though. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember your hair is different. Next, Manscaped's beard oil. Tap it off with beard balm. The Pro Kit also comes with three different gifts, a beard brush, comb and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code mscs media at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com use the code mscs media 
Manscaped Beard Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Link is in the description below. This episode is sponsored by Z-Biotics. What is Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic? The Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is a genetically engineered probiotic you drink before drinking alcohol to avoid that rough next morning and get back to living your life. PhD scientists invented it because they know the real problem is not dehydration. It's a toxic byproduct of alcohol. And Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic is the only product that breaks it down. Just remember to drink responsibly and plenty of rest too. Every time I have Z-Biotics before drinking, I'm amazed at how good I feel the next day. Z-Biotics is a must-have for me because it means I'm still going to make my daily workout even if I have a few drinks the night before. That's important to me. You can get Z-Biotics for 15% off your first order using my code MSCSMEDIA at checkout. I recommend getting the six-pack. That's what I got. It's a great deal. You have a couple extra to share with friends. Go to zbiotics.com backslash MSCS Media. That's Z as in zebra, biotics, B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com backslash MSCS Media or scan the QR code on the screen right now and get 15% off your first order. You will not be sorry. Link is in the description below. It's like, wow, just when we thought this guy was like done, he came and did his best work after that, after that. So I'm like, wow, it's not over. It's never over. Like, wow, because like, hey, listen, if you still have the passion, the fire inside you to want to be able to, you know, perform for people and show people like, hey, you know, I I don't only have that in my arsenal. I have this too. Watch, I can do this. Or I can recite Shakespeare. I can do this. And, you know, and for actors, we kind of get like a high. We kind of get like a high off being able to perform for people. Because the way they react to what we're doing is what gives us the high. Like, wow, look at the effect I have on this other human being based on the ability that I have to do this. It's pretty cool. You know what I mean? But then you have some people, they're just not meant to be that. You know, you put a camera in front of them and they're like, you know, they fold up. But, you know, I tell people like a lot of times, like I tell like a lot of these, you know, it's like, I don't want to sound like an asshole. Like, you know, like, yeah. But some people, you just see it, and it's just like, it's not for you. You could see that they don't really have the natural ability, and, you know, it's just like, and it's something that's like speed. A coach can't teach you speed. No. You're either fast or you're not. I can, I can teach you the fundamentals. I can teach you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's one of those the things like, like you, can, you can't teach speed. You can't teach talent. You can't teach talent. Right. Right? So... Everybody's talented at certain things and you can bang your head against the wall. You want to be an actor, but if you're just not talented to be an actor, you need to give it up and go be an editor. You know, like that's just not your talent. You can't teach talent. You can't buy talent. Yeah. But listen, you may not be talented in this realm, but you're talented in something. Exactly. The time that you're wasting, the time that you're wasting, Yep. Trying to discover a talent in this realm that you don't really possess. You're wasting time. And we don't get more than that. We have a limited amount of time. Money we can get back. We rip our shirt. We can go buy another one. But when it comes to time, it's something that you're never going to get back. So you have to make the most and make each moment count. And that that means sucking it up and saying, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, maybe I am better off where I started. 
And maybe you need to go back there because now you're making the most out of each moment. You're where you're supposed to be and you're nurturing the true talent that God gave you. Because if, when you're trying to nurture something that's not there, the bottom line, you're just wasting time. So I try to tell people, like, listen, bro, this may not be for you. You may be awesome at, you know, doing this. Why don't you, you know? And and it's not like, and I, and a lot of people may look at that as like me sounding like an asshole, like sh shooting down someone's dreams. No, but no, no, but Lilo, I, I think it should be said better like this. You know, if you don't have the talent to do something and you walk away from it and you do something else, that doesn't mean you gave up. When you give up is when you go home and you sit on the couch and fucking don't do anything because your dream to be an NBA player didn't work. Okay, you tried to be an NBA player. It didn't work. You didn't give up. You, di you didn't quit. You chose something else because it just wasn't working. You weren't six foot seven, buddy. You were five foot two. You're never going to be in the NBA. You tried. You gave it your all. You had fun. Now it's time to move on. Go hit golf balls. And maybe you'll kill it in golf. You only, Because, you know, people think, well, then I gave up. I gave. I didn't give my all. Well, like you said, people waste their time trying to give their all. You can, there's a certain point where there's no more all. Yeah, no, you, there's there's a point where you like hit a ceiling. Yeah. There's, there's nothing more coming out of this. Right, and you can't keep trying because that ceiling is cement. And you're, you know, it's three stories of cement. Your head's not going to get through it. So, you know, like no, you said, you're just banging like your I head. Said, so you're wasting move on. valuable yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, you're wasting valuable time that you're never going to get back. You know, and, that, and that's why you're so, always uh, on the move like that. And you, you, you talk what, what, how do you, what's the saying? You speak what you do or whatever, because you're always moving around. You'll try this. If it doesn't work, fuck it. You'll try this. Boom, boom, boom. Now you got this thing with work. You know, you got sleepyhead. They got pushback, but it's still coming. And then with work, well, you got people in there from entourage, right? Right. Yeah. We got the. The actress who played Ari's wife. I don't know her name and forgive me for that. No disrespect to her because I think she was really great in that role. And I've seen her. I think she was in old school. She was in some other films and I've always enjoyed her acting very much. Her name's just not coming to me. Like I said, no disrespect, but she's going to be in it as well. And that's awesome because like I said, I really enjoy her work. But it's just a really cool opportunity at this point in my life, you know, because Mickey Rourke, like I said, the wrestler and just the way he inspired me. I love him as an actor. You know, I, I talk to him in person. You know, like we we you know we have communication. We have a good rapport with one another. I speak to him, and he's very inspirational to me. He always tells me not to give up because you know he's a strong dude. He's a very strong-minded guy. He's been through you know he's been through a lot in his own life, and uh, you know and you know like this is going to be really cool because like like you know remember one of Mickey Rourke's like coolest movies ever was Pope of Greenwich Village right. with, with, with Eric Roberts. Charlie, they got my thumb. You know, so like so so many of them, like, that's like a really, that's a cult classic. Yeah, fuck you know what yeah. I mean? So with this film, Avenue U, it kind of brings him back to those roots. So already they'll have a built-in audience because Pope of Greenwich Village was so great. So now people are going to be like, you know, people are going to be looking for something like that since it's the same genre. So I'm excited to be able to work with a guy like that because you just learn as you go on. You go on the set, like it's like every day you leave that night. You got there in the morning, you leave that night. You learn so much. You're a different actor. You're a different actor every day working with guys like this because obviously you see the finished product when you watch them, but, but you never saw how they get to that. 
you know, to that. Well, he's a vet. He's a vet. I can see the techniques that they use and little things like that. And some stuff, it may not be for you as an actor. Be like, nah, I don't know if I'm be able to have the concentration to do it that way. So those kind of things, you just throw them out. You know, you respect that he does it. But then there are little nuggets, little things like, wow, look at the way he took his time there. And he gave that reaction. And he was able to do that because he didn't, re you know what I mean? Just little things that you watch and observe. And with a guy who is at that caliber, you certainly can learn a lot. That's you know, what I mean. he, he's a veteran yeah. in the game. He's a veteran in the game, you know? Yeah. Can you give us a little bit of a hint on the storyline? I know you, you said he can't talk too much about it, but uh, well, anything at all? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a street movie, and it takes place in Brooklyn, and it's called Amnesia. That's all I want. That's all I want to say. I gave one of the producers, my friend Joe, I gave him my word, because um, I wanted to, you know, let him know. And he says, yes, you can talk about it. Just don't give away the, you know, the plot. You know, it's, it's a... Uh, and and uh, Gino, who's uh, Gino Donatelli, who's Joe's partner, he wrote the film. And one thing that they're really, really like going out of their way for is authenticity. They want this to be real. They don't want to um, just start putting names in a film just to have names. The names have to fit. The names have to fit the and be authentic where they're, where they're being placed. You know what I mean? Where they're, where, what roles they're playing they have to be authentic in those roles. And I, I appreciate that. So, uh, you know, that's cool. And I'm also... Uh, I know what you're I'm about also, to say, and I think, I think this is uh, going to be huge. Uh, Never Meet. Go ahead. Yeah, Never Meet. Well, right now, the working title is called Never Meet Your Heroes. And the reason why they say Never Meet Your Heroes is because you usually get disappointed. <laughs> See, that's and why I wanted to... That's why, that's why I just said Never Meet, because I knew you would have a Lilo quote with it to, like, give the right hook. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's true though. Yeah, no, you're right. Disappointed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Say like Dan Marino. He's he was my friggin' hero. I, I used to hold the ball like him. You know what I mean? In the way I used to walk everything. And you know, I mean not to say he is, I don't know if he is or he isn't, but say like I meet Marino and he's like a prick. What do I do now? What do I do now? <laughs> I got a painting on canvas. It's worth six thousand dollars. There's thirteen of them in the whole world. I have the seventh one. I'll tell you what you have to do when you come back in and Rob's here. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when you come back in here and Rob's here. When we go through the goat thing, you're going to be with me with Brady. Brady's. Brady's. I mean, I mean, how could you really go against Brady? But you know what though? Let's see. You know, Marino. I want to. I want to talk about Brady, but but I, I want you to tell me about uh, the movie coming out because you got the girl from Bronx Tale in it. That's huge, man. Yeah, I'll say a little bit about it. Um, Bronx Tale is going to be celebrating a 30-year anniversary, September 30th, 1993. Uh, three is when it came out, so 2023, this September, it's going to be 30 years old. Congratulations. So. Because of the 30-year anniversary, I wanted to do something. Because like it's like every time I post a picture, Terrell Hicks, who played Jane, she's still my very good friend. I know her husband. I know her sister, her nephew. I know, you know, like her family. We've remained friends all of these years. And she's a very good close friend of mine. She's a beautiful person. You know, like her whole family is good people. And, uh, and that's, you know, because of that reason that we've stayed so close. And every time I post a picture with her and I, people love it. Like, yo, I get like 10,000 likes. I get like thousands of comments. You guys should do another movie. You guys should do, you know, blah, blah, blah. that's all people say. 
So I look at that and I say to myself, wow, there is a, there's definitely a market. You know what I mean? There's definitely me? a demand. There's some demand for people. You know, some people demand. If I put a, if I put a thousand people in here and say, would you like to see Lilo and I forget her name. I'm sorry. <clears throat> What's her name? Terrell. Terrell. I'm, I'm sorry. She's supposed to come in here. Or I would remember your name, honey. <laughs> but uh, she was busy last time. But if I put a 10,000 people in here, 85% are going to say, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's a household yeah, so movie, bro. I mean. So, but, you know, like, at the same time, I didn't want, I didn't want to write something. I didn't want to write something like, I didn't want this to be a continuation of a Bronx tale of the same characters. We just happened to be an interracial couple. We're going to have a daughter, Danielle, and the film is centered on addiction and how it manifests in many different forms. My character is a gambler. His name is Joey Preston. <laughs> I'm a gambler. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into it. Sounds good. Cool. my wife. Like I said, we have a little daughter. And then, it, and you know, because of my gambling, things don't turn out well for my marriage. And that's all I'll say. And then the effects of that cause some very serious and dire consequences later on in the film. And it's all real. This, you know, like this film is like, I lived this. I lived this life. You know what I mean? Like as far as the drugs and the addiction, I've seen it. I've seen it. In, in, I've seen it manifest in different ways. I've seen all the nuances. I've seen how it's like a family. It's a family thing. One person gets high, but then the rest, the family suffers. It's like it's a very powerful thing. And I just want to show, <clears throat> I want to just show addiction and how it manifests. And, and what I really want to show is the root, the root of where an addiction can possibly come from and how and what triggers these addictions to, to manifest. You know what I mean? So how far away are you, how far away are we from that one as far as what, what like being like being done well right now i'm about halfway through the story's already there so now i'm putting it into a screenplay and screenplay form um because obviously you don't a screenplay you don't want to make it too long so when you have a story you got to like kind of trim all the fat and just make it move really fast with, with different acts, an introduction, a conflict, and a resolution. So you want to have the different acts. That, you know, it's uh so it takes it takes time. I don't want to rush this because no. I really that like I literally, you know what? I had the story, it took me a while because I get little pieces from like where you know where I am at the rehab, where I work at the rehab. I listen to different stories from different people, and it's just so sad what some of these kids go through what are you hearing about the mushrooms like, what wow, are you hearing about all the mushrooms in the rehab i i you know I, I know what you do and i think it's so cool that you go on that instagram and and give motivational talks you still do that man i mean that's yeah. you, re you really did change you really did change what are the rehabs and the the rehabs you know in general you know the general consensus what is their stance on mushrooms? Because there's a lot of studies that it helps with depression, addiction, this, that, the other. Then you got the microdosing. What is the, I don't know if this is the right word, but like the rehabilitation community think of the whole mushroom thing now that it's starting to become more legal and so on and so forth. You know what? I got to be honest with you. Where I am at More Life Recovery, I've really never heard it mentioned. 
And, you know, the micro dosing, I have heard a little bit about it, but I don't know much about it. I don't but think people go to rehab for mushrooms, do they? I mean, I don't think you can get addicted to it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I did yeah. I did do mushrooms back in the day. Back in the 90s, I used to love taking mushrooms, especially when I was out in L.A. for some reason in the warm climate. And then we would just trip out. It would just make you laugh. I've taken acid. I've taken uh, mescaline. Mescaline was big. We used to take mescaline back in the uh, in the 90s. We used to go to Webster Hall in New York City. This club used to have like 4,000 people. Can you imagine oh. bouncing <laughs> off the wall on mescaline? And going into a place like that with 4,000 people. But I yo, bet you there was no violence kid, at all. Kid Anthony. Yo, we had this kid. And that mescaline, it makes you laugh uncontrollably. See, and, and what I don't understand, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but what I understand is like these things like mescaline, mushrooms. I've never heard of anybody addicted to mushrooms. Nobody ever got hurt doing LSD. I mean, it used to be everywhere. I looked it up this morning of all the... You know, in the past, before the, you know, like right after Woodstock when Reagan came in and did the whole drug thing and fucked everything up. So you got 4,000 people tripping and not one bit of violence. You got 4,000 people uh, drunk as fuck. You better have 30 vans for the cops. So explain to me how that. 30? You better have more. <laughs> you better have a Mack truck. But what I'm saying is like they, they make a big deal about masks and a big deal about mushrooms. But yet. Like you just said, if you put 4,000 people in a room tripping, everybody's going to walk out, no violence, no craziness. But if you do the same thing with alcohol that's all over the place, you're going to have a fucking mess on your hands. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I think maybe they think that because these hallucinogens are so powerful and the way they alter your mind to a, to a, like a, 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 like a, a fictional reality, like in your own mind, there's some reality that's fake because but you're it so might not be fake. This reality mind. might be fake, bro. I talk to the top guys, man. <laughs> yeah, but you know what they say? But acid, I don't know where they got the number, but I heard they said if you trip on acid like 12 or 13 times, that you can be called legally insane. So well, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's where they're getting. You know why this? Maybe they're why, why they're so against these hallucinogens. Maybe if you do them too much, they will literally, they will mess your brain it's, up. It's you big pharma. Act it's, no, they, huh? they, no, it's, they know that the hallucinogens are good. They know they're, big pharma knows. Big pharma's behind all of it. All of I it. believe that. Yeah. Well, I just think, that. I mean, if, if you don't have alcoholics, you can't give them drugs to get off of alcohol. If you don't have heroin addicts, you can't put them on 17,000 different types of drugs. But if somebody's tripping and has a good time three times a week, they don't need anything. No, you're right. Fucking nuts, right? Yeah, I mean, everything, there's there's one big agenda. You know what one I mean? One big agenda. Stop the flow of this. You know what I mean? And then uh, Sleepyhead. Talk to me about Sleepyhead. We've been talking about that for two years. <laughs> yeah, look. Look, this is where this is it, this is the the Yonkers Film Festival. I see. Sleepyhead premiered December 9th. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And I have to say, I wasn't too pleased. I wasn't too pleased with the the cut, the edit, what I, the version I saw, and neither were the producers. Um, neither were producers. So right now, right now we have some. You know, it's a it's a, it's one big legal issue right now. Uh, we're trying to get control of the film again to kind of finish it. 
because there's moments in this film that are absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant some of these characters and these cast the acting is it's really so good and it's such an original premise it takes a place in hell and just it's so awesome but i just think that it needs to be cut and edited a little tighter the story needs to be a little more concise because it's in some places it's hard to understand but i know we can fix it and that's the part that bothers me it's not like something like ah it's a piece of shit just just throw it away. We you live and learn, but no, it's not. We have enough there to make something really good. Yeah, don't um, make it confusing. I, I watched a movie. I, I don't want to say what movie because I've had the guy in, but I, I watched a movie the other night, and it started off great, and then it was like this happened, that happened, this happened, and while the movie's still going on, you're you're. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck just happened with this. Why did that guy take this? And then. It didn't make sense. Like the order of the movie didn't make any sense. It wasn't like a straight flow where you're locked in. Where like when you go to get a soda out of the refrigerator, you got to pause it. It was a great actor. You know, it was supposed to be a great movie, but the it wasn't smooth flowing like you're saying. Like you, you almost like you're like you had enough of it, but you're thinking, okay, let me get through this 15 minutes and maybe it will get better. It's not one of those movies where. If you get up to do anything, somebody knocks on the door, you pause it because you don't want to miss anything. And I think what you you're saying is when you saw Sleepyhead, you saw it not flowing correctly. And it would, it, as is, you know, they'd watch it for a little bit. Lilo's in it. It's interesting, this, that, the other. But then it's, it's confusing, and then you lose interest like that. This episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water, it's Fiji water. Well, yeah, because like you watch the film and it has a lot of momentum in certain areas. And then just when you think, you know, you're gonna start like really moving and then it's like, and then it's like an eight minute scene talking to a dude about cereal in a bowling alley. Don't get me wrong, the dialogue and the writing is so cool. You know, because these are all these wacky characters in hell. And this guy's got these teeth and he's like so sick looking and he's awesome. But it just takes away from the flow of the film. You know what I mean? Maybe if he would, because see, a lot of these scenes are what you call modular. You know what I mean? They don't need to be in order. It's just the encounter. You're encountering these different people. So you could kind of say, okay, this scene is here, let me put this here, and let me put this here. It's like, you know, modular homes, you can move these scenes around. Make, see, this is why editing is so important. It can literally make or break. With a better editor, we can make something really good of that film. Like, trust me, it could be like a cult classic. You saw the liquor store scene and some of the other scenes. That liquor well, store scene was you. great. That's a great scene. Yeah, what, did you see the one where the guy's kicking his father on the floor? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like there's some stuff and it's so well acted and the way we play off each other, it's like really cool. And I just think it's not. The, the, the liquor, that the liquor store scene, if, if that's the trailer, you would, you would get everybody. But then it's got to be good. That that liquor scene alone where you're walking down the street with the hard hat on, you go in there to get something, bang. That, that If that was the trailer, everybody would rent it, watch it, but it's got to be good. You know what I mean? Because now we're expecting yeah, some know, real this, serious that's shit. That's such a good scene. Though. Oh, fuck. That's such a Forget good scene. Forget about it. You know Lilo, I mean? that's great. It's one of your best I, scenes. 
Yeah, I wouldn't, you know what it is? I wouldn't want to show too much of that because what happens is it's definitely the best scene in the movie. There are other ones that are really good, but you don't want to show that because then it's all downhill from there. Yeah, because you've know you, 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 you got to compete with that awful. scene because you've got to compete with that scene then for the rest so of the movie. That's why you don't want to show that scene <laughs> ah. that much. You get all the best of everything else. And then when they watch the movie, they're already happy with the other stuff they saw in the trailer. Yeah. But then when you hit them with this, it exceeds their expectations. So psychologically, they're going to think the movie was better than they thought it was going to be going in. You know what I mean? When, so, when, when, like, when you were doing big movies, you know, like big time movies, how many yeah. editors are there? Is there always one editor or are there multiple editors? I mean, I would think that if there's multiple there's editors, one. it'd be fucking weird because then like this guy thinks this, this guy thinks that I would, I mean, I wouldn't want to be the editor to, to do a, you know, Renaissance mail or Bronx tale. But if I had to do it with somebody else, it would drive me nuts because you'd be sitting there fucking for a year arguing about one scene. No, you know, I got to be honest with you. I think it's one usually like, you know, like Marty Scorsese yeah. is a female Thelma Shoemaker. Yeah. Okay. And the scene in Raging Bull in the beginning when De Niro's just in the ring dancing around, like 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 Jake LaMotta, you see him throwing the punches and the music with the smoke and the black and white. Marty Scorsese said it took Stelma two and a half months just to cut that. Damn. But it was cut perfect, wow. though. Imagine that. For one fucking scene. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the editor, but I also wouldn't want to have somebody else with me because I would want to perfect it my own way. You think you think yeah, uh, like, Scorsese's the best, the best ever? Well, it depends on what kind of films you're talking about. He's definitely one of the best ever. Um, you got to go. Spielberg is one of the best. Oh, ever. Yeah. Why do I always forget about Spielberg? It's because his movies are so far apart. I mean, but like you know, you look at like Saving Private Ryan. Some of that war footage yeah. in the beginning of Normandy Beach. That was some of the best war footage, if not the best I've ever seen, captured on film. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to ask Lilo. The movie that just came, remember that? Oh, I can't believe I can't remember the name. It was a blockbuster, like 10 years. It took him 10 years to make. Uh, what the hell is that movie called? What, Apocalypse Now? No, it, it, they're, they're like in the ocean, and it's like 3D. No, they they made this movie like 15 years ago. It came out, and it took them 10 years to make it. It's a big fucking director. Who are you talking about? I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Uh, think in the movie that it broke oh, like Wonder every. World with Kevin Costner. No, no, no. It, it's like a animated movie, but like you, I guarantee you went to see it. Everybody went to see it, and the second one had just come out. It did like fucking billions of dollars. I'll think of it. Avatar? Avatar, that's it. Now, when they do a thing like Avatar, that takes 10 fucking years to make. And I think they just came out with another one, right? I believe so, yeah. <sighs> now, Yeah, when that first one came out, I think it was the highest grossing film of all time. Of all time. Now, imagine being that fucking yeah. editor. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Editing is cool though. Like I, I was able to experience it myself. Uh, I was a producer on a, uh, an independent film called The Fury. Really never went anywhere, but it's so, it's such an awesome experience to be able to because you have, 
like, you know, like they are, you know, like we shoot digitally, but when you have film, it's different. But like when you're shooting digitally, what does that mean? What, what, what's digitally film? mean and what's film mean? What's that mean? And tell me all about well, a producer. Well, I didn't know you did that. Film. Oh, they actually still use, use film? Digital cameras. They still use actual real film? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow. The cameras. Holy yeah. fuck. So you have the, you know, like when you're shooting, like, you know, you have the red cameras and stuff. You have a hard drive with everything that you shot. So now, that's basically what it is. You have everything you shot, and now you have everything on a hard drive. So now you have to go through every single take, every piece. It takes a lot of work. You can't be lazy. You know, a lot of people just say, ah, that was good enough. Just throw that, throw that. But you got to really, really, like, watch everything and look and say, wow, this. And then, and then based on that, based on that, you put the film together in a way in which you think it would be the most effective in telling this story. It's like it's like going to trial. Like going to trial. <laughs> you have the same facts, yeah. right? The hard drive is the same footage. Now you got different editors, the prosecutor and the defense attorney. It's the same footage. Now I got to tell a story this way that I want you to believe, but I'm and I'm going to tell a story this way that I want you to believe. And at the end of the day, whoever's got the more believable story wins. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I didn't even know that you're produced, but, uh, you know, for podcasters that are watching this, when you say red camera, do you know who you know who Bobby B is? When, when you come again, you meet Bobby B. He deals with Kevin Hart, all, all these guys. And they're, they, he was telling me about those red cameras, 180K a piece, and now they got the other one. It's, like, better than the red camera. Now, when you were doing that as a producer, how many gigabytes was that? Like when say say you, you know do a what? half an hour, I, I would, I fucking know. huge. I wouldn't know. I know we use red cameras, but as far as the gigabytes, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I Because I didn't you. operate the cameras and stuff like that, but I know we had we had some of the best cameras for that time. You know what I mean? So basically, it was just to say like stuff is on a hard drive. Yeah. And then you know, and it's like sometimes stuff gets lost in the files, or you put it in a different place, and you got to look for it. But that's the filter. It's in this hard drive. Now you got to put it together, you know, and emphasize, do you want in this scene, do you want the focus to be on the person who's talking or do you want it more about the reactions to what's being said? You know, then, but you got to look at the actor and say, you want to tell it from that perspective, more from the, from the reaction to what's going on, but then you have to watch all the takes. Is the actors acting strong enough to be able to tell this and sell this scene and to be able to tell the story from just the reactions or do we actually need it or is some of it weak you know what i mean and there's a lot even though you want to tell it a certain way sometimes you may not be able to because some of the stuff you got may not be up to par you know what i mean with your vision and the way you want to tell it so that's like you know what it doesn't matter even though like you know in an artsy way it would be better to show this from a from a point you know like from someone's pov rather than Maybe you got to tell it in a different way now, but you know, that kind of, that's why you got to really, really, you know, like a lot of guys are on set and, you know, people get lazy, you know, you got long days and then it gets to the point where, ah, don't worry about it. We got it. We got it. Ah, we got it. But the, the, the DP just told you, I think we're a little out of focus. Ah, it doesn't matter. Don't worry. We got it. And then when you go in the editing room yeah. and it's like, shit, I should have listened to this guy. <laughs> I should have waited 10 more minutes to shoot it a few more times to get this in focus. Now, the best take that I have of this 
guy's reaction is out of focus. Great. So now I can't even use it. Fuck. I can't even use it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just little things like that. Little stuff like that will affect the film at the end. You, you ever think about being a producer sometime in your life? You know, so I think you'd be killer because you're so anal analytic. Like you're you're very OCD with things. I I think you'd be a monster producer. And I see the excitement, and it yeah, has like to be cool to be a producer. And you take all those clips, that big fucking huge line of clips, and you work it together in your head, and you and you put it together, and the product's done. And I just can't imagine what it would feel like inside. That all that work that you did, you put it together right, and then boom, it's on the big screen. People are renting it, and they're Lilo Brancato. Built that film from beginning to end, put it all together. That'd be fucking cool, right? I mean, to watch, you know, like a, a good film. Like, I mean, that would be just an amazing feeling, man, to go through all that work yeah, and get the scenes right. And you're like, you're right. I knew I should have did it this way, that way. And then when the finishing product's done, it, I mean, I would just sit back with a big, fat spring cigar and be like, oh, yeah. I did that. Yeah, because you know what? <laughs> like, if you're just an actor in a film and, you know, like you got chosen to play a role, but it's not your story, you're basically being fed this character. Yeah. Just show up, put these clothes on that we want you to wear because this is what we think the character should be. And just say these lines as convincingly as possible, you know, within that character and within who he is. And that's, and that's it. And we're cool. But the way you said it, like this never meet your heroes. This is an idea that I had here. Starts here. Then it goes here. You know what I mean? Or it goes here. From here to here. Okay? Once you have everything down, now you have these characters. Now you start thinking of different, you know, choices as far as actors and actresses to play these different roles. And well, then you I know how that came see, about you know, because the way fine. you did it, the first thing you had said was, maybe I'll do a Bronx Tale too. I'll talk to uh, Chaz and get it on Broadway, like do a play. And then, you know, the whole thing with Chaz. But that's where it started, though, because you were already thinking, what, a year and a half ago? That's when you told me that. You're like, maybe I'll take it and do a play. I'll change it up a little bit so it's not the same as Bronx Tale. I can't call yeah, Bronx Tale. totally different. I know, but what I'm saying is I, I know where the idea started. Like you said, you had an idea, you and the girl from uh, Bronx Tale, you put that down on paper, right? That was an idea. And then you broke it up, chopped it up, and then it turns into, you know, a masterpiece. Well, you know what it is? The way I did it is because I wanted, I told my aunt, she writes as well, and when I first told her what I wanted to do, she said, it's good, but you need something else going on. You need some kind of subplot just to make it. And I said, okay, that makes sense. Maybe some more moving pieces. Okay, that makes sense. And then this kid at the rehab, one day, he just gave me an idea. He said, well, what about this? And I was like, wow, that's the subplot that I needed. Uh, yeah, that's a, okay, that, so that's a good, that's a good corner it. shot. That's a good corner shot with the whole drug issue in there because you, you're not going to think that. You know what I mean? Looking at like right. whatever the cover this might be, like this, you're not going to think. Of yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, this kid, right? Yeah. So I was like, "Wow, that's it!" And I was up nights. I was trying to ask people for ideas. If this were to happen, what do you think? And what else would you think would be? You know, like I and it's like I interviewed people, and it was nothing. I came up with a couple of things, but nothing like really to like where it's like, "Wow!" But this kid said this, and then what I went and did is I got I got index cards 
And on this very table, on this very table, I have the index cards. Could you give me one second? Sure, go ahead. Go ahead. He's a hard worker. He's always got new ideas, I'll tell you that much. Fucking Lilo. He's always got new ideas, this guy. Always something new with him. He never sits still. He's got, fuck, all kinds of shit. Well, what do you know, brother? What do you know? The index cards. Yeah, there's, the in there's the index That's unbelievable. Three different acts. Look, this is act one. Wow. Yeah, put it like that. Interior card day. This is all, like, see, I have all my notes. That's cool as shit. Yep. Exterior day mailbox. Joey discovers cash advance check. Interior show that to the camera, day. Lilo. Joey show that to the camera. Lilo, show it to the camera. <laughs> show a little bit of that to the camera. No, it's cool. Saying, yeah, like, it's it cool as fuck. It has so much momentum, and then, you know, and this is when we first see her as an adult. Interior Danny's room, morning. Establishing Danny as an adult. Purses, handbags, wise beyond her years. We then hear Joanne call from downstairs to come eat. And then it's like, you know, like, and I got, because by this point, the mother and father are not together. And the mom's always taking shots at the dad. Like, you know, like, you know, because the mom's got her shit together. Like in the beginning of the film, she's studying to be a nurse. When our daughter's like 22, she's a nurse. She's like, got it going on. She's the rock that held this family together. But she resents me so much. She always talks shit about me. <laughs> so she, you know, like I got scenes in there, like, you know, like the mother saying to the daughter, hey, you know, honey, does your stomach feel okay? You know, I got insurance. So if you need, you can just go see the doctor. But, you know, your father doesn't have insurance. If it was up to your father, you wouldn't have nothing. And then she says something like, why do you always talk bad about him? Because my character, I'm like a, I'm like a hopeless romantic. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm just a degenerate gambler. But I love my family. I just, you know, I can't, you're going to love this character. It's, his name is Joey Preston. It's a really good heartfelt story. So basically what I did was I have these index codes. Look, our act one, act two, act three. Interesting. Okay. With those index cards, what I did was I had the story and then I have the scenes, right? So I have everything in my head. So then I would do the first act. The first act takes place anywhere from 2005 to 2010. I got to get the year. So it's going to be about 07 when our daughter's little. And then the rest is going to take place present day. So now I have all these scenes in my head, right? But it's not complete. But what I said was, let me write all the scenes down that I know for a fact are going to be in the story, okay? So what I did was I got them and I placed them down in order, chronological order. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To the way the story was supposed to go. So now say this scene right here, and then there's this scene but there's a block in here that I'm missing. That you got to fill in. I need in. a bridge. Yeah. I need a scene here to bridge this to this. When you're there, when you're like looking at everything, or you have it on like a on like a storyboard or something, like you have it on a board, and you're able to look at stuff. This is what I suggest to people writing when they when they suffer, when they get writer's block and stuff like that. If you're screenplays, books, you know, writing a novel may be different. I know nothing about that. I can't even imagine how hard that is because of all the detail and everything. I don't know uh, if I would be able to. I don't, know if I don't have the patience for that. that. The but the guys that do what you do, you know what they told me? They Sometimes they'll go outside and just go for a walk, go in a store, just to try to get an idea to fill in that one hole. 
But when you have it in front of you, when you have it in front of you and you have these missing blocks, it's a lot easier. When you see things, oh, okay, I know what I could do. But I'd be sleeping. In the middle of the night, I'd come up with a scene that could bridge this to this. I'm not just going to put shit together. I'm not like one of these kids. Like, you know, they want to make their first movie and they don't care about anything. They don't care if the story's good. They don't care. They just want to be able to post it on Instagram. And I, made, I made a movie. Yeah, it. I'm a producer, director, uh, assistant producer. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah that's the shit. The way I look at things, if something is not good or if I don't think it's going to be good, I'm not going to even do it at all. I'm not hungry. Like, I don't, I'm not starving for you to say, oh, that was great. I want to do the stuff that I want to do. And thank God I put myself in a, in, a, in a position, you know, in life where, you know, I can, you know, I can, I can have the freedom to be able to pick and choose the roles that, you know, that I want, that I want to play. I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some of the greatest characters in film history have been like, you know, wise guys, and you know, Marlon you know, stuff like that. But I don't really feel challenged by those kind of roles the way I used to. And a lot of times I just think like a lot of these characters are like more simple minded and they're cool to play once in a while, but I I wouldn't want to make a career out of playing those roles. So a lot of times like they, someone would say, I want you to yeah, get this thing away to play out the pony. And I'm like, why? Why do you want me to play Al Capone? Is that all you see me as? Like, cause dude, I can do way more than that. And this is why I think sometimes it's, it's, you got to sacrifice a little and say, you know what? I'm not going to do this one or I'm not going to do this one. You see like Sleepy Ed, that was a cool character for me. He was like a nice kid. He goes bowling. He, he draws. He's, he's a, he has a bird at home. He's a hardworking dude. He's like a really nice guy. You know, hey, my name is Leo Fonte. Hard. Not here. And this is what I want to do, you know? Well, remember we had but, talked uh, before and we were like, uh, we, we, you don't want to get stuck in a role where, you know, you did the Bronx Tale, so now, you, now you're automatically connected to the mob for the rest of your life. So like you said, right. sometimes it's you had offers that you had to turn down because it, like we were talking about, and we both love him, he's a great actor, but uh, Liam Neeson, all he's ever going to do is go beat people up and find kids, and every one of them's good. I mean, they're all good, but he's stuck sure, in that role. Uh, what's that? Yeah, uh, yeah, Liam Neeson. I, I'm saying him as an actor. He's a great actor. All his movies are great, but they're all the same. He got he's stuck in that role. I don't I don't know any movie of him not beating the hell out of somebody and winning. I mean, they're all good, and I, he's a great actor, and I love him. But I, I remember us talking before. And you were saying how a lot of actors they get stuck in a role, and then then they only come to that person for one particular type of role, and that's what you wanted to avoid. Yeah, that's what I want to avoid. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be thought of as like, oh yeah, well we need a guy like that. Let's go to this guy because he could play these roles. Because then basically you're a character actor, you know, and that's fine and dandy if you can make a living out of that. But I just think that I can do more. Like, I can speak Italian fluently. I can speak Spanish. Like, I can do a whole film in Italian. Really? I can speak Italian. Io parlo italiano molto, molto bene, che sono cresciuto con gente italiana. That's good. Che quando sono stati incarcerato, i miei cugini dall'Italia mi scrivavano, io avevo quello dizionario italiano-americano. So, quelle parole che io non sapevo, 
Wow. And you're not even Italian. And, and half the world doesn't even know you're not even Italian. I almost fell over yeah, the chair. Me and Rob almost fell off the chair when you said that you're not Italian. We're like, what? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm Colombian. I'm South American, you know. But I speak like I speak Italian much better because I grew up with Italian. Yeah. Like I can literally play like I would love to go to Italy and play a whole film in Italian and play oh, an Italian cool. whatever. Shit. That'd be cool. Jeez, you know, you know the, how proud I would make my mom? Oh, my, my God. And your dad. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wherever he is, too, wherever he is, it's my uncles. I got my wow. uncle Frank. You got to do that, and you know it'd be interesting to see how they do things. It would be interesting to see how they do things. It would be interesting. Oh, to see, Italian? Yeah, like how they. You you never know, man. You know, you go to like these foreign countries, and uh, you know, like David Hasselhoff. Yeah, you know, remember Night Rider? Fuck yeah! Night Rider was the best show ever. But from what I hear, he's like a huge star in Japan. In Japan, he's like a mega star. Well, you know Allen so Iverson. You know, you know Allen Iverson. He, like I know, like my friend Allen Iverson played for the Sixers. You know, I know all my texts. Yeah. He is so popular in Turkey. He goes out there and he he has almost like an, not an NBA salary, but I mean he has a, a good salary. He's playing full season right now in Turkey. In Turkey, it's like 1996 for him. He, he has a shoe deal out there, everything. So like you were Her, saying, like... Alana, how old is Iverson? Jeez, he's our age. He's 40, 41, 42. He's our age. He's not. He might be a little oh, bit older. Yeah. He, he might be 45, 46. I'm 46. Uh, he might, I think he's your age. Because I, w- I graduated high school when it was the Lakers, Lakers, Sixers in the finals. So that was 2001. And the Sixers only, they won one game or they got swept? They won two games. It was 4-2. They won two games. Oh, they did win two? Yeah, it was 4-2 Lakers. Allen was fucking nuts, man. You go into the finals against Shaq and Kobe. He only had that one guy, I forget his name, and scored 47 fucking points and they won. In L.A. And I'm talking hammered before that he went and got on the plane to L.A. No, he, he was that natural motherfucking talent. That talent we were talking about, he was that dude. Now, I know you don't got much time and don't want to hurt, but I want to ask you one thing. What the fuck is going on with LeBron James? Like, how are the Lakers not winning? Every time I put it on, he's not playing. Like, what the fuck? Like, like Kobe Bryant played 19 years and missed five games. And the only and when he missed a year, he tore his Achilles. And even with the torn Achilles, he walked from the bench and shot the two shots, remember? Remember yeah. Kobe with a torn Achilles? Walked on it and made two foul shots. What happened to guys like that? I don't, I don't know. I think LeBron just. I don't think. He, I just think he lost the hunger. I mean, how much more money can he make? He's got championships with like what three or four different teams. Okay, well, Kobe had all the money. He had the championships. He never. He fucking played his ass off until the day he couldn't anymore. You know, well, I, I guess just comes we, down to different personalities, yeah. integrity. But where where's that? For, like, okay, so once Brady retires. Once, you know, he's done. Who's left with that hunger that we're used to? I can't even think of anybody. What do you mean in the NFL? The NFL, you know, I like the NFL. NFL's NFL. coming up. I don't like the commissioner and the shit he's doing, but but the NFL is starting to come back. You know what it is? I'm a Dolphin fan. They look this pretty is good. the first time I had a reason to, like, actually <laughs> You ain't lying. Who was? Tua was, a, Tua was good there, man. I didn't think he was as good as he is, but Tua, 
but now he's dealing with all these concussions and stuff. But uh, Miami made the playoffs. This episode is sponsored by WestonJohnBoucher.com. Even after a decade of exposure to the fashion industry, while fully immersed in the modeling world, model and future designer Weston John Boucher still hadn't found clothing that checked every box when it came to look, feel, quality, durability, and price. His solution was to create a menswear brand that would bridge the gap between designer-level pieces and reasonable price points without sacrificing quality. Weston's aim was to provide men who prioritize their health with effortless sophistication and style through simplicity of flattering fits, handsome designs, and amazingly comfortable materials. It's time to elevate your style. Experience obtainable luxury by Weston John Boucher at WestonJohnBoucher.com. Use the code Tommy to save 25% off your first purchase, their largest discount ever. I'll tell you right now, it would give Imperial Armani, Giorgio Armani, Page a run for its money. So go to Weston, W-E-S-T-O-N-J-O-N-B-O-U-C-H-E-R.com. Use the code Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y, and save 25% off. Link is in the description below. I don't think the Buccaneers have it. I, I think Brady will be out the first round of the playoffs. Do you think he retires? I don't see why he keeps playing. He's you still know, throwing his wife, good. His wife left him this past season. She fucking left him two games into the season. Why would she do that? I mean, you're mad at him because he he came back out of retirement. All right, do you really got to divorce him publicly midway through the season? You've been with the guy forever. You got kids. Really, you really got to do that. I don't know. They need a fucking. Well, you line. never know what's going on between them. Who the hell knows? Yeah. Maybe. What do you think happened this you year? And, and then I'll let you go. What do you think happened with the Bucks? Not a, the line or what? Because he's still throwing the ball That's like he did ten years ball. ago, bro. He's still throwing that ball any like ten years team, ago. Any team that Brady plays on, Brady's success is contingent on a good line. Without a good line. That's what I'm saying. Like, Tom Brady, yes, he's the best of this era. He's not the best of all time. He's the best of this era. So if you're Tampa Bay, though, Lilo, Lilo, but if you're Tampa Bay, why wouldn't you get him the best line? Why wouldn't you get him the best line on the planet? Why? You just won a Super Bowl. What the fuck? It's so stupid when these teams do this. I think guys got hurt, though. Didn't a couple of guys on that line get yeah, hurt? Yeah, his corner got hurt, but they got money. Go get another one. So what? You got Tom Brady for maybe one or two more. I just don't understand how these owners think. You know what? Maybe I they want to get rid of him. I think Brady just be in there. I think he's he's filling the seats. Tampa Bay is an organization's making tons of money. They won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So you know what? That for them, it's huge. I think Brady... I think personally, yeah. I after go back to he Pats, won the man. Super Bowl, after he won the Super Bowl with the with the Buccaneers, me personally, I would have retired. Yeah, there's nothing more because there's nothing more you can do. For I him. agree. He 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 left the Pats and won the first year. I mean, fuck, how are you gonna ever beat that? But he's you too can't competitive. Say, like you know, yeah. now now this this right here, this him doing that, it separates him from Belichick now. Because people, oh, because you have Bill Belichick. No, no, no. Belichick hasn't won anything since Brady left. Yeah. Brady has won since Belichick left. So now you can kind of see who's really more responsible for you. I mean, Belichick is still top three best coaches ever. But uh, I think Tom Brady's a good man. I think he's a well-spoken dude. He's always respectful. 
He gave us some of the best football highlights ever. That Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, what did we lose? Twenty-eight uh, to three. Twenty-eight to three, and he came back in what four minutes? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, yeah. that last last That's thing. You you're gonna think I'm nuts. Yeah. You're gonna think I'm nuts, but I think there's a chance. You wouldn't have been able to do this though, Tommy. Back. No, I I agree. Before the rule changes. I know. The 80s, Marino, Elway, those yeah. guys played in a much tougher league. Way tougher. Brady's about finesse, bro. Brady would not been as good back in the day. You can mark my words. Bro, they were much rougher. Maybe with Belichick though. Rougher. Maybe with Belichick because Belichick would have got him a monster line. I always think in the back of my head he might because they're fucking with him here in Tampa. I always think in the back of my mind he might go back there one year because Belichick will get him everything he fucking needs, wins and then retires there. Something tells me he might go back there, win and retire. Did you? Did they mention it? They didn't mention it. I just have a instinct feeling that he's going to. I got to tell you, you know what? If his body's built to do it, that is something I would do. Tampa Bay, there's nothing left here. Nothing left. You won the Super Bowl. It's going downhill. Yep. Get out of there before you really make it worse for yourself. And get hurt. Right. Go back Yo, to Bill. I'm Bill will get you every Bill. fucking I'm... line in the in the book. He'll get, he'll get a 90-round draft pick and shape that guy up in three months where he's you know, top two corner in the league. Remember all those guys he drafted by fucking 20th round? The next thing you know, they're, you know, winning Super Bowl championship touchdowns. Oh, you, got guys like, you got guys like Woodhead. Woodhead, yeah. Dola. Uh, yeah. These he, little guys like that, would they go anywhere else. You would never even hear of them. Yep. Or even Dion Branch. Even Dion Branch. He was a top-notch receiver. Yeah. He went to Seattle with Pete Carroll, and he was never that good again, even with Pete Carroll. You didn't even hear about him, and Pete you Carroll's know, good. The thing that Bill Belichick does is... What makes him so good? Yeah, what, what makes I, him so good? This is what I, before that, he implements, instead of implementing a system for the whole defense or for the whole offense, he finds these players within the big system and then he creates a little system for them to thrive in the big system. It's like a producer. It. It's almost like a producer. Huh? It's almost like a producer. You got this piece, that piece, that. Okay, there's a hole here. We got to find something to fill that hole. It's like you were talking about being a producer. Kind of interesting how you can put the two together. Well, did you ever see the? Did you ever see the offer? Yeah. It's a show that was streaming on Paramount Plus. Yeah, Paramount. It's about the making of The Godfather, and it shows the guy Al Ruddy, who he what he had to deal with. He was the producer. He had to deal with Bob Evans from Paramount. Um, he had to deal with the mob, crazy Joe Gallo and the Columbo. Oh no, I saw because, I saw it on American Greed because it was on American Greed because he got ripped off real bad. Yeah, I didn't see the actual thing. I just saw it on American Greed. Yeah, but watch the show. You'll like it, man. Yeah, well, it shows what this guy. Yo, the, the mob. Joe Colombo basically told him, "You're not you're not allowed to make this film. You're not gonna make Italians look bit worse than we already look with this mafia shit. You're not gonna make this film." And then he somehow came to some agreement with Joe Colombo. But then Crazy Joe Gallo was basically going to shake him down and take the money from the budget. If uh -oh. that would have happened, because this this is real. Yeah. If that would have happened, the stuff they went to shoot this in Sicily, they would have never had the money to do that. Yeah. So the film would have been much different. This guy should go down as the greatest producer ever. His name is Al Ruddy. Al he Ruddy. Had all these different elements in his way. Not only was he being able. To produce the film, he produced the 
arguably the greatest film ever. Now I'm going to want, what's it called again? Shit in his way. What's it called again? Because now I'm going to watch it tonight. What's it called again? You'll love it, dude. It's called The Offer, and it's on Paramount Plus. It's like five or six episodes. Oh. Trust me when I tell you, you got to see the guy they have who plays Pacino. Dude, you're going to love it. I'll, I'll, I'll right watch right. it and we'll talk about it when you come in, what, end of March? Uh, April. April. All right. Well, you told the end of April. All right, I know you got you got to get to moms and get stuff done. So uh, I appreciate your time, Lilo. Thank yeah, you yeah, so much. This was great. This was a great talk. We'll move further upstate so we don't see them all the time. We got baby Steven and baby Dominic over there right now. <laughs> so uh, tell him I said hello. You, give give him my kisses. Give him my kisses from Uncle Tommy. I definitely will, brother. Thank you always for the opportunity to be on the show. Yep. Really appreciate sure. it. Thank you. All right. Yep. I'll tell uh, Gia, Uncle uh, Lilo said hello. She's the best. She's so beautiful. God Thank bless. Thank you. All right, brother. Oh, uh, and I'm here if you need me. And uh, it was always great being on the show. All right, brother. All right, brother. Give me a text. Love you, buddy. I will. Later, All right. Uh, Thank you for your time, brother. Care. Famous Leo Brancato back in. You have a new movie out, Made in Mexico. Yeah. Thank you for coming back in again. Appreciate it. Thank man. you for having me, bro. I always have a great time when we're, you know, when I'm here with you guys. Thank you. So, how did the movie Made in Mexico come about? Mario Lopez, he directed it or produced it? Yeah, he was a producer on that. <clears throat> um, it was late 2018 when my documentary Wasted Talent was going to come out. I went out to LA to do some press. I was on extra, extra. <clears throat> and Mario Lopez was, you know, he was work. He was on, I think he's now on Access Hollywood, but back then he was on extra. I can't get him out of my head from any hotel room. He's in er any hotel you go to, he's on. Right, because the, one of the other producers on this film, uh, owns that channel wiser like uh, the hotel channel yes thing? he did yeah. and that's why the film came out there first because oh. it wouldn't make sense because let them make their money on that because he's he, already known right well not even that but let him you know that's his channel so you know let him not not mario lopez another producer's last name's wiser he's the showrunner of extra Figured, let me make my money on this if I can, and then we'll we'll get the, you know we'll stream it on the you know uh, various platforms. But Mario wasn't there to interview me for my documentary. Um, Tanika Ray was because it was Christmas time, and my mom you know likes Mario Lopez and the whole show, so she knew before me. You know, I said, oh yeah, ma. I said, uh, you know, I'm going out to L.A. I'm going to promote my uh, documentary, Wasted Talent, and. Uh, I'm gonna be on extra, Mario. Not Mario. She goes, nah. He's gonna be in New York lighting up the Christmas tree. So my mom knew he wasn't there. But uh, so yeah, I went out there and uh, there was a guy, Rodney Rinks. We call him Tootie. He's Mario Lopez's hair and makeup guy, and uh, very good guy, sweetheart. And we, I knew him from back in the day. We didn't really, really know each other, but we did. We knew mutual people. It's one kid, Matt, that we knew because they're from San Diego. Those guys, Matt. Uh, Tootie, Mario, they're from, from, from Chula Vista. <clears throat> so, I'm, you know, we, he, he did my, you know, my, uh, well, I didn't have hair, but he did my makeup. And he, we started talking and he mentioned that uh, he had this script that he wrote. It was called Made in Mexico. And he mentioned that, you know, it would be a cool character for you to play because it's not something that you ordinarily do. And yeah. You know, I, I mean, I want to be known as an actor, not a character actor. I don't, I mean, listen, it's not that I don't appreciate the work. I love to work and, 
But it's just like, I've even as a kid, and maybe this is why I gravitated to drugs and alcohol, I used to get bored with things really easily. And even as an actor, like it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the Italian heritage, the culture, I was adopted by Italians, the beautiful people and everything about them. Just talking about them is making me hungry. because the. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, as an artist, as an actor, you don't want to be stuck in the same role. And we talked about that last time. Yeah, you, you don't know, want to just be the Bronx tail guy. Yeah, and you know, like playing a, you know, a New York Italian, you know, a wise, you know, it's like you show up on these sets and it's like the same wardrobe you wore in the last one <laughs> because it's the same type of character. And it's like, you know, and... Uh, who, I mean, sometimes, who would you, you say know, that, out of all the actors you could think of, who would you say that was looked at as like gangster movie, New York thing, but was able to make that switch. Like really, really a nice switch turn off. Can you think of one, Rob? Like gangster to the... Yeah, like like De Niro, Pacino. Yeah, those not, guys I, are the, the ultimate. Those, those two, they Because did. they started their career playing those type of characters and then they went on to be Hollywood household names like movie stars. Yeah, I'm just trying just... to think of somebody else besides those two big names that, that made that big cross. Because De Niro really did. Because he he was he's doing family movies now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. No, De Niro's taking it to another level. Um, you know, he's taking it to the. I got to be honest with you. I like him. Like, like he's awesome in those gangster movies. But all this other new stuff that he's been like, I liked him in The Joker. I liked him as that sleazy talk show host. That was a strong performance. I liked. What was the movie with him when he was? He was like the dad. Oh, I know. It, Silver Linings Playbook. I thought it was good. Awesome. Yeah. I thought it was really good. He got good. nominated Cooper, for... Yeah, yeah that was, he was got the mental illness. That movie was awesome. That was... No, he got nominated for uh, for uh, an Academy Award for that. As he should. That, that you know, was directed actor, by... That that, was, that's that, a hell of a David switch. O. Russell directed that. And he was compared... He's like... They they mentioned him being as being the, like the, a modern-day Scorsese. He's awesome. There was one reaction... Uh, and I always, do you remember in the beginning, the mother takes him out of that place he was staying with Chris Tucker in the car and De Niro's Paul Herman, rest in peace. I don't want to sell Chris Tucker. I'm like, where, where the fuck he is was Chris Tucker? He was good too. Man? Yeah, no, no, but he was, he fit yeah, that. He's coming back. But Paul Herman, you know, De Niro's friend in the movie, he just died. He was in Goodfellas and he was, oh. just died. He was loved by so many people after he died. I didn't know I mean, I loved this guy was, but nobody had nothing, not, never a bad word to say about this guy. I always liked him and everything he did. So, you know, De Niro was like about the bad juju. He's very superstitious. He was a diehard Eagles fan. And they were getting ready to watch the game. And then the mom walks in mm -hmm. and she's with Bradley Cooper. And De Niro's like, he goes, he goes, what? What's this? He goes, what? What's this? His reaction was so perfect. Because like knowing as an actor, I know they wanted to get that reaction. They may have just did just that piece just for the reaction, okay? And when he did it, right? Because, like, you got to understand, like, when I was younger and less experienced as an actor, it's like you're just not as good because you just, you, you, you know what I mean? You learn as you go. But the way he turned around, he looked, and he absorbed what he saw in order for his brain to react in the way that he did. But he took that real, authentic, perfect amount of time to where it registered and for him to react where it was so real. Now, on his level and, and his experience, how many, like, say, like a shot like that, they want that exact reaction, right? How many times do you think a guy like him has to do that? Just a wild guess. What would you say when, when a guy like him does a take, how many times do they, they make him do it over and over and over? You know what? On average. 
I don't think they would make him do it over and over because of performance reasons. I think they would make him do it over and over to give a different take on it every time. Okay, Bob, now try it this way. Try it less aggressive. Try it as... And then they and then they go through it and then they pick whichever one. And then one they is the say best. and then they cut the scene together and based on because you don't know like that's a whole different animal. You have the footage and then you edit it. With that footage, with that footage, you can make four different films. You could t- you could make four or five different films. This is why editing is so important. It's like this, you know, this is this reaction or this take is not wrong or neither is this one or neither is this one. It's a matter of preference. As the director, which take do you choose that you think is going to be most effective in telling this story? Or not even that. Not even that. Which one is going to make the character more the character? This, this character was written a certain way, okay? Who, which, which take is going to bring out the most of what the director's looking for? Right. For this character in this film, this piece. Right. This piece is going to thrive on subtlety so you know now i don't want this to be big because the whole film is subtle even the reveal at the end is subtle so to keep with that with that tone you know what i mean it's like as an actor like you got to realize that you're not always first of all you're not yourself you're not playing you okay so if you would look back when you feel like you know you're just sitting there say you're waiting on line at the bank and you know and maybe you just want to just give a quick look back but you got to ask yourself, would that character do that? Where you get one character where he's maybe a little more unsure of himself or maybe something traumatic happened where someone did creep up or from behind or whatever. Something happened in his life where this particular character would look back. But then you get another guy, he doesn't fear anything or whatever. He hasn't had an experience which would prompt him to do that. So... You so whenever think. you work on a big movie, whether it's Scorsese or whoever, right? On average, how many takes do they take? Like, everyone, okay, Lilo, you're in today. You're going to do this, 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 and this. On average, when working with the high-end directors, producers, so on and so forth, how many takes per scene do they usually do? Okay, everybody's different, okay? Um, I worked with Woody Allen, okay? I worked with him on a film called Wonder Wheel. Justin Timberlake, Kate Winslet. I had a cameo. I had a hairpiece on and everything. How was Timberlake in person? Oh, sweetheart. Cool dude? Yeah, Kate Winslet. That was so nice. Such uh, professional. That was in his prime, too. So, yeah, such pros, such nice people. And But, like, the traditional way to shoot a scene would be you would get a, you would get a, a wide lens and, you know, say it's us three. This is the scene. You there, you know, me here, this is it, okay? So the traditional way to shoot this, first what we would do is we would light it for a wide shot. That's called the master, okay? So the camera would probably be straight here because if you go there, you're going to miss your face. If we go here, you got your profile, you got my profile, and you got him head on, right? So now we got the wide shot, okay? The wide shot's done. What do they do with the lighting? Well, the lighting's like, now that the, it's the wide shot, okay, they want, you know, that's why they got the light meter also. They want to see how much light exposure. So then when they light it for a different angle and has to have the same amount of light because when you when you cut it together it's gonna look like what the hell I never even thought about that they they have a, a back, light meter. Backlights and top lights. Yeah yeah no and, this, and they actually have a meter and, yeah yeah yeah, wow. yeah we're we're at a two eight and six okay, I mean it I, makes total sense. Yeah. But, yeah okay I need you to raise the flag a little bit. A lot of these people that did cinematography what are we gonna say? it's like the color temperature in here different color temperatures there's so much that goes there's through. so much man it's like well beyond even me. I mean I I'm I'm knowing I'm doing pretty well but there's guys that are just whew, 
Yeah, there's an art to it. It's it a is. science. It is. Some it's a real science, you know? So now you do the wide, okay? So now, say we would, uh, so now it's his close-up. But it doesn't, you know, now based on the director, what size do we want? Maybe you could put the camera here. Maybe we'll get him from here up. We'll be off camera. And when we're off camera, we may not be sitting where we're sitting. Because now the camera's so tight on him, it's right here. That any little look, any it's so much bigger because it's right it's here. An art. So if we're sitting where we were sitting when he's got the close-up, it'll look like he's looking like this. But meanwhile, he's looking in the same spot. But because of the it's, camera angle now and the size and of the shot and the frame, we have to be off camera. So we're literally, we could literally be like right here. This is the camera. We could both, your face will be here and mine will be here. So his eye line is right there. Yeah. So it matches. Okay, so now it would be maybe... Maybe they'd want to get a two shot of me and you. So they'd put the camera here, we get profile, profile, and then boom, boom. So now I got your close up, I got mine. We may, you know, we'll get your close up. Maybe we'll change the lens because the camera's already here. We got you from here up. Maybe, you know what? Change the lens. Going a little tighter. We'll get one or two of you with the, you know, now real close if we need it. There may be something that you say or something that was so perfect. We want it in the close up. Then how in the hell can a movie be made in three months with all that? I mean, that's got to no, be... No, 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 no. Uh, three months, that's very ambitious. You know, I think three months, like, would take just to shoot the film. Principal photography. But then editing. you go into editing, you know, color, So when they say ADR, three months, it's just three months of takes. Shooting. And then, and then the editor has the, to deal with it for the next year. No, not year. Well. Not year. I would say a few months. And then once the, you know, the editing is the first thing, okay? That's, that's, that makes or break the film. I've seen it with my own eyes with Sleepyhead. We had an editor that had edited that first scene in the liquor store. Cinematic. Blew us away. Whoa, look at this. We couldn't even believe. Because usually the person talking is who the editor chooses to cover. But in this, it was more the reaction. And it was perfect because I'm in hell. So it's like you want to see what he's... Because he's new here. So I think it's more interesting to show how he's reacting to all this mayhem and this craziness. It's just more artistic. But then we had another editor who edited that same scene. Crap. And I'm not afraid to say it. I hope he watches this. It's crap. He's, you know, it's just, it's like it took away so much from the performances and everything. So does every director have multiple editors? Uh, no, I think they got like, Scorsese uses Thelma Schoonmaker. She does. Period. That, Period. You just watch. her. That's who he uses. <clears throat> and, you know, and then you cut the film together and now it's cut to exactly the way you want. You lock it. And then... Based on the way it's cut, now we watch it and say, you're off camera for one line, but you had the line we can't really hear. You got to do that line over in a studio. <clears throat> and that's called ADR. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid IV. This is a product I always use after I run, work out, and do the sauna. It's a great way to hydrate the body and feeling your best self. All you do is one stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water. It hydrates the body faster and more efficient than water alone. Three times the electrolytes as other sports drinks and contains five essential vitamins, B5, B12, B3, B6, and vitamin C. It also tastes great. Flavors like watermelon, lemon lime, strawberry, and many more. Buy in bulk at Costco or go to liquidiv.com and use the code MSCSmedia, no space, for 15% off. No other way to hydrate the body automated dialogue replacement or additional dialogue recording so you would literally be in a in a sound you'd have a mic like this uh, you know like a sound booth yes yeah exactly 
and they're on the other side in thick glass, and they talk to you by pressing the button, and then do you hear them? So basically, you're looking at a big screen, okay? They show you, okay, Lilo, and this one here, uh, you know, we love the performance, but it, it, we couldn't understand the last line. So let's just show, all right, show, now they show you, you watch it. Now, can you hear it in, do you have like headphones? Oh, yeah, on? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, and then they show you the line you want to do over, and then you're like, you know what, can I see that one more time? And then you see it again because you want to see the rhythm in which you spoke. And then you say, okay, let's try one. So you would be, that. you hear beeps in your ear. You would be the fourth beep. So you're watching it and it's beep, beep, beep. What do you want me to do? Run away? Make people think I got no heart? And then they, and Interesting. Then, and then they, and then it's like, dude. But also when you cut the film together, you could start adding little things. It's not automated dialogue. You're not also only automatedly di uh, replacing the dialogue, ADR, also additional dialogue recording. So say now you're off camera where you didn't have a line, but maybe they could say, you know what, say this, because then it'll make more sense and then it'll explain mm -hmm. what happens later. So now you start putting these little touches and now like, wow, this story is so much more cohesive before we had a little holes. Right. <clears throat> it went from maybe like, like monotone to, I'm just using that as an expression, like monotone to monotone to boop. Yeah. And then, you know, back to the story, or, boop, or, or something like that. Or a little confusing to where the audience says, well, well, if that's the case, well, then why did that guy do that? Or this or that? You know what I'm saying? Um, so, but they do that for that reason. You know what I mean? And then you could you could just make the story so much better. So then you would do that. And then you have what's called Foley sound. Gunshots, oh, gunshots. Yeah. That's all fake shit, right? Yeah, yeah, but that- I watched this documentary, sound right? sound is so good, man. You hear doors Lilo, let me ask you this. You hear the floor, everything. It's like I watched this whole documentary on sound. Is it true? I, I think, I know it was in the 80s, but like, say 90s, 2000s, where when somebody's walking up steps, there's actually a guy yeah. that's, that does it. Like, he's actually got like, with, like, with sh like Gucci shoes on that make the sound. Yeah, how else are you gonna get these sounds? Man, that's got to be hard to do. Though. The, the you got to time that. The best way to mimic it is do it, do it, you know, just just duplicate it, put it, and you know. So sound. that is, so hold on, hold on. So that is true. So when when you hear somebody walking, that's not them. That's not like a mic close. That's somebody else that's making that sound effect. When the rain's hitting the ground, that's somebody that's else. That's usually going. yeah, usually that's sound effects. Because I watched this whole two hour thing, and it was the guy that was doing it. I forget what it was for, but he was at the time he was the most popular, and he would show how he did it. He would take like woman's heels, yeah, and literally just like a piece of wood if she was on wood, and then like when they put the uh, even clothing to get that sound of like the shirt going on, yeah. and they would rub it on the on like grass, yeah. You know they really do do that, and yeah. even now. That's interesting. I think about like like I I do like to describe it as it's it's an artwork, right? It's an art form, a movie, right? Every little thing, the camera, like he's talking about, the actor, the voice, all that stuff. The sound effects can make or break a movie too. Like even like the little like you hear like, let's say we're in here and there's a bathroom in the back and you're like the drip, drip. Especially drip. in his films coming up because those. yours are because like the clips that he sent me. Yeah, there's a lot of buildup in yours. So like that little bump in the gas station, like in Sleepyhead, like the walking, the guy just hit the cash register. You can hear the cash. Yeah, register. yeah, you can hear that. Really? You can hear the chime on the bell. You know all that stuff. It, it sets the scene for what about that? Because right, Rob, when we were watching it, and if you want to watch this and you're listening to this for watching this, it's the last uh, one with Lilo. We played the clip, 
and you're walking, you hear the cash thing, the sound, you know something's about to happen, but you don't know what. And, that, and, and let me tell you something, That's, that sound, that was very rough. That wasn't even like, you know what I mean? That was just, we shot that that night, and you know, it's it's pretty rough. It, it'll get better than that. You know what I mean? But like sound, and, and then in addition to the sound, the music. Mm. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Think about Rocky, right? Just think about him running yeah. down the street. Mm-hmm. If he was running down the street without music, it's just this. But then it's... You literally, and what, 30 years later, we're all saying... Yeah, you literally, <laughs> want to pull, you literally want to pull the chair out of the ground when you're in a Rocky yeah. movie, right? And a lot of times it's because of the music. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you, you, you color it. You know, you, you, you color code, you know, you color code it. You know what I mean? Like the coloring, when you color the film, it gives it a whole, it gives it a whole feeling. I just know just from being away, prison. I remember we had a nor'easter, a storm. We were downstairs on in 2C, that was the cell block, and had these dreary colors, black uh, bars, like this real gray paint. It was like, it was like fucking hell. You know what I mean? You're sitting in this cage. You got three cells within the cage and then the colors and it's just like, and then we had the nor'easter. It was fucking leaking water. So they told everybody, pack up, we're moving upstairs. We moved upstairs to 3D. This is Micros? Yeah. 3D. Like, yo, the bars were lighter colors. The walls were white. Everything was like, and I got to tell you, man, you just felt so much more at ease. So, like, I know for a fact, just based on that, where I had nothing really to get my mind off things and all these these things that I was sensing and feeling. How important these Be- little things are. Yeah, but how they became so much more noticeable in a situation like that where you don't have many other things to keep your mind. You're thinking about, you know what I mean? It really taught me and told me like, wow, this is very important stuff. Color, like don't underestimate the color of the film. is you, you, The way you color it and the colors you use can help to tell the story. If you use the wrong colors, kill you it. may get the story. You could kill it, right? Yeah, like it may be 85% you know, effective. But you use the right colors, now it's up to 100. Now you told the perfect movie. Now, now you, you made the perfect movie. You got the right colors, the music. It's You got everything lined yeah. up. Now, how do they do it like Scorsese? Right. It seems like all his movies, even like Wolf of Wall Street, DiCaprio is talking throughout. It's just like Goodfellas. You know, you have the narrator, and it yeah. makes the movie so much better. Now, like when DiCap- DiCaprio shoots. Not every movie, movie, but those movies. A, a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scorsese does. There's somebody talking. Yeah, yeah. Even, even uh, Black Mass. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Scorsese no, no, that wasn't that it. one. No, that wasn't it. So when they do that, when. DiCaprio's done. Does he do the... What does he do? Like, he has the read, and then he's just reading into a microphone watching himself? No. Like, how does that work? How does the voiceover... Like, we'll use Goodfellas, for example. Yeah, well, I did it in Bronx Tale, so... Yeah, okay. Yeah, you did. Yeah, uh, you know, you just... You go in a studio. After the movie's completely done. You don't do a clip by clip. No, 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 no. You go in the studio, and you just do it. And then we walked there, and I looked at him, and I said, Hey, what are you doing? And he looks at me and he says, you know what I'm doing. Why even ask? So I didn't really give a shit. So we just kept walking and there we were, cops in front of us. And yep, sure enough, we got arrested. Now, do I blame Joey? I don't know if I blame him. I think he's a fucking asshole though. You know what I mean? Well, you you still remember that yeah. word by word. No, no, that was something I just made up in my head. That oh, was, I thought that's what you no, said. No, no, no. The Bronx, I watched it a hundred times. Yeah, I, mean, I thought yeah, it but, was. But, but. Yeah, you you record it all, and then because you know what, originally they may have wanted it somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now when they cut the film together, they may say, you know what, it doesn't work that well where we thought we'd originally put it. It works better, 
you know, later on. You know what I mean? Because there's scenes where you could have shot that you wanted to put in the beginning of the movie, but then realize, huh, you know what? I could tell, put this scene at the end, it's better because it, it, it serves more of a purpose because it tells that part. You, sometimes you get close-ups from some other scene that we put in and just insert, you know, it's like so much you can do. Is it safe to say, too, like with, with an actor, like let's say yourself, um, if you don't, you were talking about the dialect and how you're saying the lines and doing things like that, like some lines, let's think like a Rocky, you know, um, you can't win, you know, and that emotion there and how that, like the famous line, you know, from Bronx Tale too, the some of the lines from there. If you have the wrong act, not even the wrong actor, but he doesn't accentuate that word, that famous line could never be that famous line. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Of course. It might ever, not ever be that famous line, but the way they said it, that powerful thing lives on forever. Everyone remembers that Wasted line. Talent from Bronx Listen, Tale. Everybody said Wasted you Talent. You could use the same Even word. Even my dad said it to me. You yeah. could say, you could use the same word 20 different ways. There was a guy from Rikers Island, right? He was in the next cell block. He only used, the only word he would say was word. Like, yo, you see, word. Word. <laughs> word. Word. So like when you pass word. it, did you just go word? Word. <laughs> But he, he could have a conversation by using that one word and saying it 15 different ways. You know what I mean? So you're absolutely right. But I'm sure they have that person who's saying that catch line or that catchphrase a million times just to get just that Just to one. get it. Yeah, like you know. when I asked the girl, do you know how to make sauce? We did that a million times. I, I just would think, you know, a two and a half hour movie or three hour movie like Wolf of Wall Street. That has to take forever to to be the narrator throughout that movie. Like, how long do you think that took DiCaprio to, oh, to the, narrate no, it, that whole thing? I mean, you know, uh, it's not that bad. Maybe like, I mean, because you're in the studio, you. I, mean, I could see him done do that whole thing in about a week. Wow, wouldn't well, you think well, longer? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, Leo, you guys, you guys are professionals. I'm saying, yeah, I'm Leo's a pro. I mean, that guy's as good as he gets. What was like? I can't see him really messing up. I could see him, you know, everything coming out of his mouth being good. <laughs> Can he mess up? And usable. <laughs> you know? What was like the, I know this is going back, right? Thinking in your head, but what was like that toughest line maybe from the Bronx Tale or the one that you had to keep doing until they're like, that's it. We got it. Yeah. What do, was do, it? Was do, there... do you know how to make sauce? That was the one? Yeah. De Niro wanted something special. He said, I want you to em emphasize the you and the sauce. Do you know how to make sauce? Like real sweet, like, do you know how to make sauce? You know what I mean? It's not, do you know how to make sauce? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, the dialect there can, yeah. Do you know how to, like, do you know how to make sauce? Hey, Jane, do you know how to make sauce? Instead, hey, Jane, do you know how to make sauce? It's yeah, like. See, yeah, see it, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, that was. That's basically saying, like, you know, regardless of the fact that we're from different neighborhoods, I really like this girl, and I may even think about marrying her one day, and that's why I want to know. You know how to make? Do you know how to make sauce? Because that's what I like. So if you know how to make it, we may be in business. You know what I mean? So that's that's what that was. That that's what the intention of that line is. So it had to be really sweet. The character was sixteen, and you know, I mean, a sixteen-year-old on a date with a girl that he likes. I don't think there's any 16-year-old on the planet that's not unsure of himself or herself on a date where they like the person. It, it's just it, human The movie nature. was just so real. Yeah. It's just so fucking real. There's so many parts know? in there, too. Like, yeah, when we he, could do a whole podcast yeah, just like, on the parts because it's so real. But, you know. When he grabbed...